This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Cruciola, and me, Amanda Smith. Greetings out there, disaster divas. You have returned to the preeminent podcast about disaster movies and sometimes TV. The Disaster Girls, I am your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And uh, we're back under the surface. Uh, d- Amanda, did you want to start at the top of any business? You know, I just always like to, you got, you know, I like to mention that yeah. you can buy disaster gear at disastergirls.myshopify.com. Yes. Uh, you can get yourself uh, some volcano merch. You can get the watching Congo as self-care. Of course, stop killing. You saw the Stop Killing Shelly Winter sneakers in person, Jordan. How great yeah, do they look? They, they do look great. They, the print actually, the, the, the graphic works great on the shoe. David Mann came through fucking clutch. He might be making some more merch for us soon. So I'm excited about that. That's really exciting because those are the Shelly Winter stuff. It looks really cool. And uh, as we are, like, I have to say the official podcast of emergency offices of emergency management across the nation. These are the kinds of this is the kind of merch you deserve to wear to your to your place of employment. Emergency managers. You you deserve to have a mug that explains what the role of OEM is in Los Angeles in a fictional universe. You deserve these things, guys. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Father's Day is coming up. Get a Disaster Dad t-shirt, hoodie, world's best Disaster Dad mug. Because, you know, it's great because it can mean that they're great in a disaster or it can mean they (laughs) are a fucking disaster. And either way, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a truth. It is. It's a mug with truth to it. (laughs) But yeah, so that's disastergirls.myshopify.com. Check it out. Take a few minutes. Um, if there's something that catches your eye, put that order in. We are, operators are standing by. Operators are standing by. I mean, I every so often open up the Shopify app and go, ooh, are there any orders that I can hit fulfill on? And sometimes there are, and it's very satisfying. That outstanding, give, give Amanda this joy. Give, give the shop your attention, everybody. Disastergirls.myshopify.com. Thank you, Jordan. But for now, we get to talk about my greatest love surface. This is these two episodes. We get a character. We get two new characters of import. Mm-hmm. We get one that is an absolute abomination. Oh my god! And then we get Martha fucking Plimpton. I've been waiting so long for Martha Plimpton to appear because oh, what I remember god, was I'm that. So excited! I love Martha Plimpton. She's great. She's weird in this. She's fabulous and. Uh, I remember the only thing I remembered about her from the show was that I remembered that there was not enough of her that like I, she comes in late and that you're just like, damn, when do we get more As soon as I saw her, I was like, fuck, they they rolled out Martha Plimpton late because mm-hmm. they certainly were like, hey, go more seasons. And then yeah. they didn't. So it's just they're just going to be this. I She she came into the scene and I was like, are you telling me this whole time we could have had Martha Plimpton and instead you've given me miles? Yeah. Oh my god! And Miles is having his Peter Parker fucking moment. Ugh. He got bit by the things, and so now he's Spider Manning, and like he's assumed some of their abilities. He seems neurolinked with uh, Nim, who's back. Everybody, thank God, Nim's is Christ. 
Nim Nim is Christ. Nim died and came back for our sins. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the sins of Miles specifically. Yeah. His absolutely <laughs> fucking subpar keeper. The um, worst. And so we have to deal with him like having a, a being in the drift with Nim, yeah. which like last thing we saw of him was like having like a really aggressive alpha male fit in his bathroom while shirtless. And then <clears throat> he is guys, the Martha Plimpton is great. For some reason, this show decided that we needed Miles to have a love interest who's like nonsensically infatuated with him. She and let's start an absolutely can we, horrible person. Can we start with her what her age could potentially be? Because what the fuck, man? So the thing is, is that Carter Jenkins, the guy who the kid who played Miles, yeah, very much looks 14. He totally does. He, he totally looks, does. He looks 14 and his character acts like he's nine. And then you get this sex pot 30-year-old. Yeah, who this works is at the aquarium. Ge- most generously, this girl's a senior in college. Yeah. Like this girl, this girl can rent a car. This girl, this if this character was gender swapped to a man, it'd be a straight up sexual predator. Yeah. Like the insistence and the doggedness and like the unwelcome advances and like the glib, the jocular, like sexuality on and flirtation where it's like he has actually told you no multiple like, times why are you showing up at his house late at night why do you have a witty rejoinder for everything why when you do show up at his house he's like actually it's the rule that the doors open if like there's a girl over and she's like hmm, what do you need to live by the rules it's like you're gonna get him in trouble like I get like having fun and being a teen, but like you just keep doing things that are gonna get Miles in more fucking trouble. When she and some walks of those into things he chooses to participate in, but other things you just force. She just on does him. to him. Yeah. When yes. she walks into his bedroom and he's at his computer and she goes, Ooh, pornography. And he goes, No, algebra homework. And I was like, Who one enters the room like that? And two, what about Miles at any The thing is, is that she She's very clearly and explicitly into him because she thinks he's a bad boy. Yes. So he's referring to like his, oh, you're on work release. It's like, no, he's community service. He's not on yeah. work release from prison. Yeah, oh, you stole a car once. Yeah, but what she keeps failing to notice and understand is that Miles, like every law I've ever broken has been with the nerdiest possible intention. Yeah. And Miles, similarly, every law Miles has broken has not been because he's cool. It's been no. unintentionally with the nerdiest fucking reasons. Like the nerdiest fucking reasons and like the most misguided fucking sense yeah. of what he should be doing. He's like not and a she, bad she boy. is, by the way, she she works at the aquarium or at least volunteers there or something, because her dad is the main science guy at the aquarium. Yeah. And somehow they have this character acting like she's the queen shit daughter of the like richest guy in town. When it's like you're the daughter of the aquarium science t- scientist. Yeah. Like, where love, is this attitude coming from? I love that when she first meets and like, so Nims come back to life and Miles is, you know, the, the aquarium guy is treating him like Miles has made a discovery versus yeah. like Miles is a dipshit. You yeah. Know, they're, 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 your son, they're talking to his mom. It's like, your son has made an incredible discovery. And it's like, well, let's go back and circle back to how Miles made that discovery because it was when his friends stole a boat and then yeah. ditched him in the water and then he pocketed. <laughs> What he thought was a shark egg. This yeah. isn't a genius child doing, you know, rigorous research. This is a dipshit. 
Yeah, and as we understand, as we know from this yeah. show, Miles isn't good in school. Miles he doesn't not, try. No, Miles is. They, everyone. What's amazing to me about Miles's entire subplot is that it's like he's in this ET subplot, but if Elliot were an absolute trash bag of a human, what a jackass! Yeah, like at every single turn, and like and everything that Elliot at every single turn. Elliot, if Elliot made not just the wrong choice, but explicitly with the wrong reasons yeah. and the worst logic. Yeah. Every t- Miles is shocked Pikachu every single time an adult isn't just like, yeah, man, you're in charge of the sea monster now. Here, yeah. You take it home and cuddle with it. When they're like, yeah, it's a dangerous animal and it has to stay in the lab so we can study it. And he's like stunned and horrified. And then, of course, sexy teen daughter is the one who's like, you know, Dr. Yeah. He's not everything you think he is. Like, as if yeah. there's some weird nefarious, some sort of weird nefarious subtext. But it turns out, like, nah, yeah, he's not going to put a, chi- a literal child on published papers. Yeah. Like, and you're it, not like, going to get priority on research, Miles. No, because you're like, you have a, you have a, you have a bond with this mm-hmm. animal, but you are not like, you are not doing science with this animal. And like, yeah, like, it, you know, there are, you know, there are things to scientific research that are going to be like not friendly and not cute. And I'm not going to defend or, yeah, or take down that. But it's just like the notion that the daughter is like, he's not who you think he is. It's like, wait, is he going to be a secret part of the cabal to kill Lake Bell? No, no, he's, he's just a, he's a research scientist at the aquarium. He's literally just some guy. Yeah. Doing his job that he has gone to a lot of school for. Yeah. Yeah. Like so much school. And everything this daughter says, everything this daughter says has like an implied like little like shoulder, like little shoulder check with like a, you know. Yeah. So it's like, why are you, why are you looking like that all of the time? Why is everything you say a flirtation? Why does everything feel like it has some sort of double entendre linked to it? When she goes into his bedroom and closes the door behind her and he's like, Oh, the door, you know, it's supposed to be open. He's like, not that like anything's going to happen. She's like, it might. And everything is just like, can you fucking cool it? Again, if this was a boy character, this would be like progressively more rapey and uncomfortable to watch. But it's like, because it's a girl, it's like, oh no, it's like some version of a manic pixie dream girl thing. I don't know. And again, just 0% of me buys buys that this girl is into Miles. Fucking since when, since how, since what? Well, it's very reminiscent of, like, the way that Savannah's friends were with him in the early episodes. Yeah. It's like, the, like, this girl has huge lives in a bikini energy. Yeah. Even if she's not in a bikini, she's always in, like, a mandated blue polo shirt from yeah. the top. <laughs> yeah. But, like, huge, huge wearing a bikini on television energy about her. Yeah. Of, like, in that, that weirdly sexual teenager way. Yeah. Um, and the difference is, is, of course, that, like, while Savannah also kind of had this vibe even with her brother. Yeah. Um, the difference is that Leighton Meester is such a great actress yeah. that she kind of overcame it, whereas this girl is not. You and feel you feel this performance yeah. being, if, like, performing Leighton Meester attitude. Yes. Like, hey, can you give us a Leighton Meester kind of thing? And it's, like, bad drag of being a like bitchy quippy Leighton Serena Leighton Blair yeah. Waldorf kind of character and she's not then it's just yeah. uncomfortable it's uncomfortable and I just cannot believe 
we are still getting more Miles. Fuck. Oh, yeah. And now Miles gets... Like, the thing that pisses me off most about this subplot for Miles isn't so much that I'm like, ugh, we have to waste more time with Miles. But it's actually, I'm just like, I'm so mad that this little shit gets exactly what he wants. Because it's true. he wanted to be special because he had Nim. And he even explicitly yeah. says he that, says like, that. having Nim makes me special. That. And now this motherfucker in season two was absolutely going to get superpowers. And you know who doesn't deserve superpowers? Miles. No. And he, Miles, he's got the cutie girl who's obnoxious flirting yeah. with him. He's, like, on his way to having superpowers. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Really? This guy? Yeah. No, Phil deserved it. Not Miles. Phil! Phil was the winner of that friendship. Phil absolutely deserved. I miss to, Phil. I know, I know, and like Phil, and it sucks because like we're just straight up not getting Phil in lieu of this girl, who also like, not only does she yes when she when she is sitting on the dock with Miles and is like touch my weird scar. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, on my thigh. On my thigh. Here, touch it, and then she forces him to, and it's weird as shit. It's weird, but then. At the end, when or the thing that gets Miles into trouble is that she, because Miles cannot stay out of trouble. Yeah, and yeah. And so her father has understandably kicked Miles out of the lab because he's gotten all pissed off that he's not given access to Nim. Yeah. So she's like, what if we go sw- swimming with him? And like, yeah. it's our sexy little secret. And so they break in, put Nim into a full-ass aquarium with other fish and stuff. And then when swim he's with him. demonstrated uh, that he is a hunter, huge predatory instinct. Yes. And then he, and then, and then they, they, she does it. And I'm like, Miles, see, here's the thing. Miles wants to stay out of trouble. And I like, they keep having Miles say the words of, I don't want to be in trouble. But that yeah. ends the minute that anything that Miles wants to do mm-hmm. is super, like, supersedes any logic that Miles has. Which is, has the effect of being extremely annoying. And so, so like when the, you know, we're kind of like, you're, you're getting kind of mad at the scientist because like the scientific experiments, like, like oh, I'm uncomfortable I mean, with this. And also but like, like, it's Nim and we love him and they're withholding food from Nim. And that's like, yeah. you know, and Nim's just like, you can see they're torturing the little guy because science. Yeah, yeah it, because science. And so that's, unco- so you are feeling the sense of like, like, hey, maybe this, maybe I don't like this guy. But then when he catches his daughter, and Miles in the big fucking main aquarium tank. Yeah. And he's like, did you think I wasn't here still? He's like, do you know how long it takes to disinfect this aquarium? It's like, exactly. Yeah. This is fucking up the wildlife, man. Like, this is putting a ecosystem, a habitat in danger. Like, he shouldn't be mad at you for this right now. You are absolutely demonstrating to him that you do not deserve the responsibility you want of being part of the care for this animal that you love. Exactly. So when he's like, you don't get to come back, that is absolutely the least of what that guy could have said to him. That was breaking and entering. It was compromising their work. It was compromising the, the ecosystems that these, like, marine life lives in. Yeah, you're fucking bounced, buddy. That's not injustice. Right. And that's the thing. Like, it's it, what's crazy about that whole setup is, I mean, yet again, it's that great reminder of, like, right, Miles is too fucking dumb. For the credit he gets because of yes. the fact that if, you know, Miles, do you think you're entitled to be on a research paper when you don't take into account things like <laughs> how will putting this random animal that has no known predators into mm-hmm. a big ass tank? And then what if we swim with it? Like, yeah. Miles, you are proving the point. Um, but yeah. And so I and then, of course, like then he is all sad and angry. And then Nim is sad and angry because they only have the Elliot E.T. link. Yeah. And. It's just, 
Meanwhile, though, we've got Dr. Lake Bell, who is, like, every bit of not having plot prior, they, like, in the last two episodes, Rich and Dr. Lake Bell now have nothing but plot. I, nothing could have prepared me for Keith Olbermann. I have forgotten completely, Jordan. You know he's my nemesis. And now he's a nemesis of yours. Yes, now he's an adversary of yours. And what's crazy, like, was I was watching it, I was like, oh my, I hear that doot-doot. Do do and I was like, oh shit, time warp because it just wow. I mean I did not miss an episode. Of oh my Keith god, Ol- I watched I watched Shelly Day religiously. Oh, I the idiot cannot of the day. believe how much we allowed Keith Olbermann to succeed. I can't believe it. I mean, in fairness, he had a good head of hair, a great voice. He stole, uh, what's his name's sign off, and get like I, that- sounded gravi- gave him gravitas. Yeah, and yeah. Good night, good luck. I watched like we even see because it's an NBC show, so it's mm-hmm. an MSNBC news program. And Countdown was a huge show. Yeah, like this that I think it like did Countdown like toss into Maddow at like or at a certain no, point. No, like, like Matt, this this he predated Maddow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know like, he... when Maddow was coming up and they wanted to build Maddow's audience, yeah. it was like we want to give you the Keith bump. Yeah, because I, I Keith mean... is huge. So like we want to grow this new show. So we'll have like Keith throw to Rachel. She was like a bookend of, of Oberman. I imagine because that he was, was true. king shit of that network. I just remember that it was like Dan Abrams, who I was in love with, and then tossed to Keith. And it was yeah. just that one-two liberal punch. You just, oh. The, yeah. Back when, during the Bush era when it felt like things mattered. Um, yeah. And, he, no. and we see that. So he does that thing where he, like, balls up the paper. Sure, throws throws the screen, the and he's like, good night and good luck. It's like, wow, you really do yeah. think that you're Walter Cronkite. Like, that, watching that now and knowing what a fucking horse's ass he is. Right? It's just, so, like. I remember when I stopped watching him because it was just like, I actually can't participate. I can't do this shtick anymore. Yeah. Because you really are high on your own supply. Like, you really do think you are, like, changing the world. Yeah. But not actually. It's all just for you. So I remember when I, like, started phasing him out and watching it again was like, I can't believe this was appointment television for me. That is, I'm embarrassed of that. Oh, God. But it was for fucking millions of people. It was. It was. I mean, that was it. That was that was my college evening. Like that, yep. and then you roll into into some office, and you were set. It was such. It was snark news. Yeah, for a snarky time. Yeah, I mean, it, like for for the Gen Zers or people who didn't watch cable news when they were twenty, like you know, normal people would. Um, <laughs> it was very much like it, he kind of was the adult version of the Daily Show to a degree, like that same. Definitely, like, oh, definitely. It was a lot of overlap there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you wanted the news news version of the Daily Show, yeah. And and again, and Keith Olbermann knew it. And that's yeah. that this is neither here nor there, but that like you can feel when a newsman feels himself. He'll say he's a newsman, but you can feel it when he in his heart knows that he's a celebrity. Yeah. And he he prioritizes the celebrity over the news. And that like it's the same thing why like there was su- there was an, an ick factor that never went away with Brian Williams yeah. after the whole scandal with him. Because it was like you didn't even, like, it wasn't even that crazy. Like, it wasn't even a consequential lie. You just said you were, like, in a helicopter in a war theater when you weren't. It's yeah. not like you were, like, and I was on this mission and I killed Osama bin Laden. Like, there was nothing even like that. It was just, like, yeah, I was in it with a man and he wasn't. It's, like, that was just gl- self-aggrandizement for absolutely no purpose. And Keith Olbermann, you can, like, I don't know when the tipping point was. He became someone who, like, knew he could deliver a type five. And I remember feeling that tipping point too with Chris Hayes mm-hmm. as like the Bush years turned him into like a bona fide celebrity newsman. It was like, oh, now you go on Colbert and you do the lulls thing. 
you're a celebrity newsman. You're not a newsman anymore. And that is one of the grossest things in the world to me. So seeing Keith fucking Olbermann again yeah. in the role of being his pompous self was like, oh my God, this is so, this is a wormhole. It was, it was unbelievable. It was such a great, and like, I, I appreciated how much of the segment, the actual, so. We got Laura, like the full ass news segment. They yeah. just played us a news segment. It, well, because this was the the finest era of, you know, cross brand, branding and cross promotion. Like it was, this was the same era that you would get, you know, when I, when after a TV show, there'd be like a three minute, paid ad like sponsored by network? hyundai yeah, yeah. yeah be like if you want to see more like the prison break had like interstitials that you could yep. watch on fox.com like you yeah. want to see more of prison break go to fox.com with sponsored by hyundai it and this is so funny same... seeing the like the moment where they're like blake goes to her newswoman pal and yeah. she's like oh we want to do the story and they're like well, we did already post the video that we took in the deep online. So it is like already out there. And she's like, but what about MSNBC.com? MSNBC. It's like, oh my God. Well, when they were still explaining viral and they had to name check Paris Hilton's sex tape because like oh that's my. the only reference we had for going viral yep. at the time. Yep. Oh, you oh. mean like, you mean like viral? You mean like viral video? <laughs> as if it's like, as if it's like upload, select category, viral video. And then like, it goes viral. It had a, their entire thing. So they, Rich and Laura get out, like they've been rescued. They get to the hospital. They escape the hospital before the men in black show up. They go to a copy place to like duplicate the tape, which is probably the first smart thing these two people have really done. Yeah. Is yeah. that they like fully, they are like, we're going to upload it on the internet and then we're going to make a bunch of DVD copies so that yeah, we yeah. have them, which I was, you know, great job, smart. And then like, but that whole sequence of the guy at the copy place, it has a very hack the mainframe vibe to it. And oh, how they talk yeah. About the internet. To- He's like the guy who knows at the internet and knows mm-hmm. about the internet at the copy shop. He's and he absolutely like they're like, oh, no, you know, the guy who needs to handle it is uh, this dude is Sam over there. Go talk to yeah. Sam. And then Sam is like, yeah, you go to viralvideo.com and you upload it. Yeah, it's it like it's that- like that clip of Julia Stiles from that kid's yes, show. From Ghost where she's like like surfing the like new wave, cyber wave, like hacking the mainframe. Like it is surfing that the clip. X's and O's. Yeah. It's extremely <laughs> Julia, Julia Stiles and Ghostwriter, for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and so they they, you know, go viral. And yeah. then go on the news. And I did appreciate it. It's actually, amazing watching them watch the video, the download counter, mm-hmm. the download, not the views, the download, download counter, counter. Yeah. On like MSNBC.com. And they're, it's at 60,000. And Rich is like, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, but wow. It's, it's, it's a time capsule, man. That episode, yeah. like this episode in particular, just it. This really, it yeah. really does. It just, this, this is a, this is a three layers of polo shirt time capsule. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's, and we don't even, we don't even see Leighton in several layers of polo. Exactly. Really. You know, she's wearing, she's wearing a Fair Isle sweater. Uh, oh, okay. Which I did feel like the Fair Isle sweater she's wearing, I was like, that was like three years prior, but sure, we'll go with it. <laughs> sure. But she, yeah, she was wearing a Fair Isle that you could have gotten at Abercrombie. <laughs> thank you for showing up with your with your aughts the aughts style moment that we needed this really was a great time capsule episode i yeah. i really do appreciate that about it that was a lot of fun yeah and i i the, like watching the you know classic watching the newsroom conversation around like they're bringing in this video and they're like yeah we're excited about this and they're like just completely sensationalizing it yeah 
Either in like, the American Loch Ness monster is how they're gonna yeah. you know, play it off. And it was like, yes, let's once again impeach journalism entirely. And then to like watch this segment, it was honestly like it was not a hit piece segment. Like they give, like I kept waiting for it to be worse because they do bring in yeah. like a scientist and she's like, oh, this guy's good. He's a really good scientist. And he's like, this woman's a doomsday or catastrophist. But like they give her a lot of airtime. And when like he makes, he rebuts one of the things she says, she's like, I have something for this. I, 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 I like, I clarify this. And then it cuts back to her. Like they give her every opportunity to explain yeah. what she's saying. Keith just has his like, I see an unemployed woman with like a chip on her shoulder. Like he kind of wraps it up in a shitty bow at the end, but they let her speak her piece. I was thinking it was going to be a thing where it was going to be like, Lake gives one poll quote and then they totally steamroll her to undermine her. And they actually didn't do that. Right. I mean, the, the moment where she's like, I said something that counters this. She could, they could have just as easily, like there, there's a version of the script where she, they cut that and she's like, wait, no, I said something. And then it's a a true hit piece. I know. I feel like it was interesting. because I was like, as I was watching it, I was curious I, to see how they walked the line of making their one of their brands essentially yeah. a semi-villain. In yeah, the, totally right. Yeah, like an episode. Like making, making Keith Olbermann look like a pompous douche. Right, and I, it, which like, in retrospect, is very satisfying to see. Yes. Uh, knowing now, but, uh, and to clarify, he is my nemesis solely because of a mild Twitter feud. Absolutely, yeah. As it's all the best of my... kind of online feud where yeah. there's no consequence. Yeah, this it's is not trivial. like... trivial. I, I don't want it to be like, oh, Amanda's going to try and cancel Keith Oberman. No. No. I made a joke about the players in the bubble, um, in the basketball bubble, leaving and being like, we want to leave Walt Disneyland. And then he was like, several other people have made this joke. And yeah. he kept replying, searching out people who were quote tweeting and being like, this is hilarious. And he kept being like, other people made this joke, though. And I'm like, stick to posting sad pictures of dogs, Keith Oberman. What a weird way was, to spend a day on it Twitter. It was such a him. weird thing. Still, like, yeah, between that and then the fact that Howard Dean is, Dean is also my internet nemesis. Like, weird. That <laughs> feels like from the same political era. That's what's you know? so weird about it is that, like, I loved Howard Dean in the early yeah. 2000s. Yeah, yeah. I remember when Howard <laughs> Dean was yeah, on, mm-hmm. you know, a college campus. And, yeah. you know, you you liked rooting for Howard Dean. Yeah, I was going to vote for him until he dropped out. And then, yeah. you know, 20 years later, all of a sudden, Howard Dean and I are feuding on Twitter about whether or not it's irresponsible to say that pets, house pets can catch COVID in <laughs> April of 2020. <laughs> the internet, man. Wow. It's really, internet. like, honestly, the only thing that could really make that try, like, complete my set of people I really worshipped in the early 2000s becoming my nemesis would be if I got into a fight with Jon Stewart. Like, that's it. If I could, like, catch that, and that would be my Thanos rings of, like... Yeah, those are your Infinity Stones. That's my Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, that's my Infinity Infinity Stones. Mm -hmm. Is specifically, like, vaguely political guys I have worshipped in the early 2000s becoming my internet nemesis. Um, But, yeah, it was, like, other than Keith being his pompous self... Yeah, it's not a bad. It's a fairly well made piece, and like, yeah. yeah, they go to a guy who they go to another expert who says, like, oh, obviously this is all CGI, but it's but the network itself is like we have had our experts review yeah. this, and they say this footage has been unaltered. Yeah, like the network itself puts the imprimatur on the footage that they give over as being like this has been unaltered. This is not edited. This is for real. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty. I mean, like. Which is why then when, you know, and, and we get the great sequence of every single cast member 
essentially watching this news, like the MSNBC yeah. rollout, um, where, which like, to be fair, there's no world in which Rich's wife was ever watching MSNBC, let alone no Keith Overman way, in 2006, man. 2007. Like, no fucking way. No, Fox News existed. Yeah, She was absolutely. watching that. But we get like her realizing that Rich is telling the truth and we get- Yeah, she's you know, watching Bill O'Reilly at that era. Are you kidding for me? sure. Or she's watching like, yeah, there's no world in which she's watching that. Or like at nine o'clock at night, she's watching CBS's run of like sitcoms. Oh yeah, she, it totally. was two and a half men evening. Like no, you're right. But she watches it. Um, like Dr. Lake Bell's ex husband is watching it. Like, and you think that this is going to be the tipping point where he finally realizes, like everyone realizes they're telling the truth. But then her, she calls her husband, her ex husband, and he's like, "Are you going to die over some dream you're chasing?" It's like. What? Why are we back to this again, sir? It, I, I'm, I'm with this guy. She is like, suddenly she's really worried about her son. Yes. She's like, I just got to see Jesse. I just got to see Jesse. It's like, you have not thought about Jesse in years. Yeah. Your roommate is with his other family and he's like trying to help her when she's like, when she, I love when she sends her little like Blackberry message and she's like, Help me, you're my Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. That was so good. Yeah. And he, like, does go, and he does help her, and he does show up for her. And he's, like, fucking sick of her shit, man. And when that, the moment, like, where they're in the, the on the sidewalk where he's going to, like, bring her the DNA samples from the scientist he wanted her to go to, she wanted him to go to, and he's, like, he's, like, by the way, like, me and -and so-and-so are getting married. Maybe it'll give our, you know, Jesse a stable home life. It's, like, yeah, Jesse doesn't have one currently. So, like, you being like, yeah, me and my wife and, like, probably going to, like, go for full custody because yeah. our kid does not have stability in his life. A hundred percent true. Yeah, like, that is... you're just being confronted with the mother that you are. I mean, the least, in terms of reality index, the least believable thing is that she has any custody from... Any. The and, fact that she was his primary That's the thing. Like, that they never. seem to have 50-50, or, like, he seems to get weekends, and it's like, that just doesn't... No. Not at all. No. Doesn't make any goddamn sense. No, let alone, like, that somehow... And the fact that he doesn't say in that call, we're getting married, and we're... Go-, and he's like, and maybe that'll give Jesse the stability that he deserves. And it's like... Yeah. Why aren't you dropping, and we're going for full custody, because <laughs> you were just in a man-made... Bath, a bathimeter or whatever. Yeah, at the uh, bathosphere. Bottom, bathosphere. You were in a man-made bathosphere at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Two days ago, mm-hmm. and now you are on network news, possibly like, you know, with conspiracy theories. Granted, we know it's real, and yeah, but there is no world in which Doctor Lake Bell should have primary custody of Jesse at this point. No, 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 no not at all. And yeah. just like I like, I I like to. I don't, obviously don't know how the season will end. I like to that rich. And Dr. Lady Scientist Lake Bell, I like that they are still not a love story. I oh, like yeah. that they're just this weird <laughs> duo. Yeah. Their their little like friendship is actually when he when he's just like all, I mean, obviously, he there's a like subplot that doesn't really get explored where essentially he's pissed because she understandably does not want him on national television talking about totally. how he saw his brother at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. And like, she is, she's a fucking scientist. She's a scientist. Like, like, she's the scientist. Yeah. This is not the time, Rich, for it to be buddies. Yeah. She is the scientist. You're my totally unqualified, crazy as I am friend. Yeah. That's not a Chiron that we can put on the screen when you start talking. 
And some guy from the South, yeah, rich, has thoughts. No, no. Yeah. Go with the scientists. Yeah. I mean, like, sure, you could, they, if it were a bigger piece, Rich would probably come into play of, like, tell us about right. what happened when you were down there. But yeah. no, Rich, there is, the thing that is kind of always baffling to me is that Rich should be aware of how unhinged he sounds. Yeah. Like, Rich, <clears throat> you should know. We know that you, you have, because, like, they, he's, they're not... Other than when he has these, like, fugue states, Mm -hmm. he seems to mostly be with it. But he's also, but also, and and if he's as crazy as he's coming off, Mm -hmm. then why is she hanging out with him? So he must (laughs) not seem as crazy in real life as, or like, in the world of the show, as he seems to us. Because right now he seems fucking bananas and consistently has been. Um, And so, yeah, like, obviously, so they try to kind of play this, like, He's upset that it's only she's the only credited and like that she gets the, to be on the camera. But then they yeah. kind of drop it. And I was glad because I did not need that subplot. No, to keep going. I didn't need a rift to be because Rich wants more attention. Right. It's wildly unnecessary. And so I love that, like when the show comes on and he's like, look how good you look. Like he was just. It's so I was so happy they had that scene in the hotel where yeah. he's just like happy for her and happy for them. I was like, oh, thanks. God. Yeah, and that's all, like, that's all you want from Rich. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's all he needs to bring to the table. It's just, like, Rich is pleased to be there. Rich is yeah. happy to see people finally taking him seriously. Like, that's all we need from this. So, yeah, it was, I, their, their, their interactions and relationships when he's not being unreasonable are really charming. And that's yeah. partly just because, like, Jay Ferguson is just a fucking adorable actor. And he's a, such a charming, there's like a, there's like a Jake Lacey winsomeness about him. Yeah, and, but without the Jake Lacey, like, undercurrent of serial killer. Yeah, yeah, Jake Lacey's really good when he gets the chance at being a very evil person. Yeah, I still, I mean, this is my fantasy casting for forever, is that one day, I, I don't even know what I'm going to write, but something <laughs> just so that I can cast Jake Lacey and Nicholas Holt as brothers. Oh, that makes total Doesn't sense. Doesn't that make total sense? Like, wow, yeah. Aesthetically and vibes-wise, Somehow, like Jake Lacey, aesthetically, aesthetically, they both have like the tall. They have the same nice kind of eyes. Yeah, like they're very, they're specific looking men. Like Nicholas Holt's very pretty. There's a he's a very specific thing about him, and yet there is that too in Jake Lacey. They have very similar, yeah, and and it's they would and they would play brothers really well. I feel like like they have (laughs) where like Jake Lacey would be kind of like the older douchebag finance bro. Yeah. Psycho. And then Nicholas Holt would be the younger, errat, like totally erratic, but wildly charming, like basically two sides of Mr. Hyde. But yeah, sure. anyway, like that's kind of how they I see them mentally as like that's how I differentiate between them as, as actors. I love but, that. Yeah. No, it, but Rich, see, Jay Ferguson to me has the like he there's something very he's he's this way with um He's a great scene partner with Elizabeth Olsen in, not Elizabeth Olsen, Elizabeth Moss in Mad Men. And he's a great mm, right, scene. Right, right, And I've mm. seen him, I haven't seen much, but I've seen some clips of him. He's on the Roseanne reboot. He's on the Connors. Oh, okay. And I think he was playing like opposite um, Darlene. And he just, he's one of those actors who's a great scene partner for women. In a way that is. is not sexual is. or threatening or the, no, like, in, in, in How to Be Single. Yeah. He is so wonderful opposite Leslie Mann. 
so wonderful. Yeah, he's just, he's great at just being a really solid, charming scene partner. He's one of those guys who you feel like when he's in a scene with another, with, with a woman, there is a respect for the character that you don't always, like for whatever character he's playing has a respect for the other character that you just don't mm-hmm. always get. And it's really great to watch. And so that's why like, with Lake, it, when you when he's opposite Lake, and you're just like, man, these two are just. I don't want them to have a thing. Yeah. I just want them to just keep keep on keeping on together. Just keep on keeping on. Yeah, just keep supporting each other. Yeah, keep being the only other person in the world that each that each has that knows what's going on. Yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm really I'm I'm really rooting for a uh, lanky boat captain guy who's Jackson? obsessed with. I'm really rooting for Jackson to be okay. I'm yeah, worried. I know. I they found think- his boat and because like they got recovered. Rich and uh, Lake got recovered off the coast of Oregon and his boat turned up like off the coast of Long Beach or something. So like a thousand miles south of their launch point. Yeah. And there's been a sign of struggle. There are shell casings, but there's no body. There's no body. Yeah. So something's going on with Jackson and I'm worried about him. Yeah. You know who my favorite just nothing from that these two have is that Miles' parents are, I guess, back and we just never acknowledge that they were completely fucking missing when their child was flatlining yeah like there's never like oh god like i can't let you out of my sight like i love you so much like i can't believe we weren't here for you she's just walking back into the aquarium being like what's miles been up to it is unbelievable (laughs) when they he goes to the doctor's office for like a checkup yeah. after his miraculous for the checkup recovery. after his near death experience, and there's no like concerns. There's no you know he's like when he asked what's crazy when he asked when he's like asked his mom to leave the room because he wants to talk to the doctor about the strange changes he's experiencing. Which yeah. you know, Miles, you might want to specify what those strange changes are. Yeah, because you're 14. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and could sure, be a lot of things, Miles. Could be a lot, and sure enough, the doctor. Who, again, this is a kid who has just miraculously had his leg healed. Yeah. And been bitten by strange animals, which we don't know what they are or do. Yeah, multiple times. Like, his like his lower body had many wounds. Yeah. And he and the doctor, he's like, you know, is it normal to have, like, changes after you've been bitten by an animal? And instead of specifying, like, you know, I seem to be conducting electricity and also my hands get gooey when I, yeah. like, instead of any of that, the doctor's like, well, you know, you're going through puberty and we get, like, the wah wah. And it's yeah, it's very um, and mom just doesn't you know seem what to have is? a single additional question. No for thoughts doctor. in her head. But it is it's a very Roland Emmerich sense of humor about this show. <laughs> That's, like it was a very it was a very Roland Emmerich sort of joke. To That's a there. very good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. Roland Emmerich would also be like somehow managed to make a puberty joke, like a sexless <laughs> puberty joke, but it's a puberty joke in a in a monster movie as well. It's, yeah, no, the mom, mom does not care. No interest. Whatever. Like, the parents, the Miles's parents being possibly the worst television parents in history is. Oh, they're bad. They're bad. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Because they're not even like, it's not like they're like abusive parent. Like, no, they're like, they are ostensibly meant to be like caring parents. Yeah. And they're not. And so that makes them just a a special kind of horrible. I mean, any parents who go to a work retreat where they say the cell phones won't work and then it turns out that they are fully unreachable from their young adult children, one of whom was recently in jail. Yeah. One of whom was recently in jail who they were going to ship off to like outward bound to be rid of him. 
Savannah's clearly parenting herself. Yeah. Like, she's doing a great job with no guiding influence in her life. And then they force her to, they punish her, essentially, by making her in charge of her brother when it's like, no, she's living her life perfectly fine. She should not also have to be, like, the parent in charge of her younger fuck-up brother while her parents go on vacation for five days unreachable at a swingers club. Like, what? Yeah, that, like, the, 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 in, the repetitive nature of the, like, I still can't get a hold of my parents. Like, it was a plot element when, obviously, when Miles was dying. That they were unreachable in a way that felt like it was going to lead to some sort of, you know, we've had our differences, Miles, but we love you so much. I'm so sorry we weren't here for you. And just nothing. nothing. Just it is their lot. Those parents' lives are unchanged. Yeah, they 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 might have even been like, oh, he almost died. Well, he got better. So he got better. Yeah, I did enjoy when Miles is outside and is and he's like, I'm not. And the girl's there, and on her on her scooter. Yeah, and he's like, well, I'm grounded still. I'm like, dude, you've been leaving the house. Phil has been hooking you up. Like, yeah. His parents have the same understanding of groundings as the parents in EZA do. <laughs> Except some or of no. the greatest yeah. parents in screen history. Not, not parents in EZA. I was thinking parents in um, Mean Girls. The When 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 oh. she's grounded and then and the dad and then she leaves and it's like, I thought she was grounded. He's like, does that mean she doesn't get to leave the house? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> same vibe. Same, same vibe there of just like. Oh. Yeah, and it's because they've been steeped in different cultural customs, and yeah. it's because these parents don't give a shit. Yes, that's the biggest difference there is is not so much that the parents don't understand, but they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. Unbelievable. Um, Lee, our special agent, yeah, he is now having to deal with the fact that Rich and Lake Bell have gone public. So if they were going to quietly murder them to take them off the table, yeah. now they have gone wide with the information so if they disappeared suspiciously it would be even more suspicious yeah but so now they're just gonna kill him anyway though or they're gonna bring him in first which they do by way of so they're in a hiding out in a hotel yeah and there's the knock on the door and instead of being like room service or any normal thing the guard the the agent is like we have a fax for you We have fax for you you know the thing we have one could slide under a door oh my god unbelievable not even like Oh, the, you know, we've got a, we've got a gift for you from the station. Any number of things that could have required opening a door. And instead they're like, we have a fax. And then Rich, and Laura's of course going to just open the door because why not? And Rich has the moment he's like, slide it under the door. And then they're like, we need you to sign for it. (laughs) It is. It's like, who, who threw that idea out there? It's great. Like who? I love it. And was there nothing else? You couldn't beat it. No, no one in the room could beat it. They were like, what if it's an edible arrangement? They're like, no, it's got to be a fax. Yeah. And and like the guy who comes to the door knocking for them, the the eight, like he's doing nothing to look yeah. discreet. He's no. a stern looking man. You can see him through the keyhole. It's like, that's not a guy with a fax to give me who works for this hotel. No, he doesn't even have like a, a name tag. He didn't even steal a name tag off of someone at the no, front. Nothing. Nothing. He genuinely like... If that man came to my door, I would assume I was under arrest. <laughs> yeah. End of story. I'd be like, oh, God. Yeah. That's Even if it. I didn't have the, the the mounting rap sheet behind me that Rich and Lake Bell do, yeah. I would still be like, I'm getting, I'm going to jail. Yeah. Just just seeing that person, I'm like, yeah, that's it. They, <laughs> they finally figured out that, you know, I downloaded some stuff on Napster 25 years ago and they've come for me. They've got, they've come for me. This is my time. Yeah. It was... I did. So then, of course, there's like an action sequence while they're being chased through the. And Rich 
Rich is definitely the kind of guy who's laying awake at night wondering what it would be like to kill a man if he had to. <laughs> like, everything about Rich is a guy like a who good is, Southern man. Yeah, like, he's definitely laying there and been like, I had to protect my family. Could I do it? And yeah. he's had that thought process to himself and, like, has been waiting for the chance to prove it. And so he does absolutely kill a guy. And then yes. steal his gun. Yeah. He beats, he, maybe, maybe the guy made it, but he beats him severely. I mean, and he's covered in another man's blood and he's had a yeah. knife. So I have to assume that he killed that man. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's, yeah. it's bad. So they can just, they can add that crime to the list. Yeah. Um, and they get, they get, Martha Plimpton enters because they get contacted through the internet means it's very, this this sequence is very the net yeah when like Sandra Bullock is suddenly like being contacted by the Praetorians and like suddenly things about her commuter computer are communicating with her in a way that it just doesn't work yeah but hackers and like this obscured voice is like you have you know something I want meet meet up like I can help you and it makes it clear like they're on this computer and they're like, we, uh, this voice is like, I can hurt you if I want to. And seems to send them basically a satellite image of themselves in real time. Yeah. That has been taken through a skylight in the apartment that they're in. So Mr. Big, this shadowy figure, wants the DNA samples that Lake Bell collected of the creature. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. They drive to a rendezvous point and it turns out like Martha Plimpton's like, oh, I'm going to take you to Mr. Big. And she blackballs, black bags Lake gets her to a place and then Lake pretty much discerns quite quickly that like, oh, you're Mr. Big. You're the one. So Martha Plimpton, yeah. it turns out, is a genius scientist who, surprise reveal you guys, was part of the scientist geneticist team that created the sea monsters. Yes, we get into it. It turns out that it's CRISPR. They don't use CRISPR as a word, but it's CRISPR. They genetically modify the sea monsters. Well, doesn't answer when, a lot of questions, but we're getting some no. starts. When Lake when Lake says, like, how could you do that? And Martha Martha goes, like, well, because we could. It's like, Lake, don't be obtuse. Yeah. The military. Like, why do we create things that can kill things? This is military. Like, the, or if it's not, it's like the the fact of her shock that any any agency of dubious merit or or public profile, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's like, oh, it's a weapon of war, Lake. Like, yeah. they're, they want to send it to the fucking shores of Mesopotamia. Like, why? Why else do we put a lot of money into things that are deadly? Yeah, like war. War or, you know, potentially, like, super healing powers that they can then monetize. Like, yeah, why would yeah. you do that? Because we could is absolutely an answer. Yeah. It, yeah, but that's... Asking why would you do that is a reasonable question because... Here's the thing with the CRISPR situation is that, like, there's been a lot of tweaks to get to this point. These are some very, very, very large sea monsters that have a large, like, a, they have several different traits that you have to tweak. Like, right. it's not just that they're sea monsters, they're hundred-something feet long. It's not just that they're hundred-something feet long. They also can conduct electricity. It's not just yeah. that they're hundred feet long and can conduct electricity. They also have super healing powers. Like, this... Yeah. <laughs> so at any point... They could have maybe stopped or done it in like four animals versus one. Or I did. I, I really liked I really liked that Lake was like, you made this. Mm -hmm. and, and Martha Plimpton's like me and twenty five hundred other people, twenty five hundred other people. Yeah. Like, yeah, like she was probably a part of a like, you know, maybe slightly decentralized operation that yeah. was like, here is the massive brain power of a bunch of probably science geniuses 
it wasn't just like one mad scientist woman. I liked the assertion of like, this is how big this thing is. Yeah. It was me and thousands of people on this project for who knows how long to yeah. make this. It wasn't just a person in a lab. This is how gargantuan this effort is and what you're up against. And so that's what's interesting in contrast to like La Brea, which is absolutely just a show about one family who's fucking one it up family. for everybody. Whereas like here, we've got the exact, this, we do have the proper scale, which like the, one of the things that La Brea has never explored and because they, I don't think they know the answer to it has always been like, this has to be a bigger operation than just the Harris right. family. <laughs> yeah. Like, it can't just be Gavin's parents. Just the Harrises. Like, the Gavin's parents made this tower and then also recruited a bunch of, like, early American, like, er, like early Native tribes to mine for them. And, like, this is, yeah. it has to be bigger than that. And here, <laughs> I appreciate that, like, straight off the bat, it's not just a shadowy organization headed by one guy. It's like, this is a huge, large-scale operation. Yeah. I mean, granted, we don't know where it would have gone from here. Um, yeah. Because I am, like, I don't... I didn't remember that we got an answer of where these monsters came from. I remember now that that what we didn't get, we don't get an answer though on like a lot of the loose ends with it. Mm -hmm. So we don't get into the bigger picture of like, what is the shadowy organization? Okay. Uh, I don't think we get those answers. I'm like almost positive. Um, we also never get an answer about how the, the shooting stars falling were at all related to the sea monsters. <laughs> That's a real, that was a real, like, in the same way because that- Because they don't come from space. They don't it's not come like, from space. So, like, the shooting star, it's like, it's not like they burrowed the, the the beings here. They're not aliens. They are, in fact, tech. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And so, and it doesn't, like, there's a lot of things, like, we. You, th this is where we start to head into the territory, the La Brea world and the Lost world, where you're just like, oh, those were just, those were just red herrings you threw out there because you weren't, like, to see what cool shit stuck. Right, This yeah. is the three-toed statue in Lost. <laughs> this is the this is the beta testing yeah which you know not my favorite quality in television mm -hmm. definitely not sorry to be leaving the puzzle box genre behind yeah jesus jj abrams how dare you it did you know i just like credit where credits you know there's this whole thing going around about succession right now with like tom wamba skimming whatever <laughs> wombs gams wombs gams yes thank you about like how his name comes from a player who got an unassisted triple play. And so it's been said, like, and on the one hand, I mean. Oh, God, I don't give a shit. Yeah, we're not. I mean, yeah, you know, I don't care about succession. Jordan and I no, just, I, we, I had a housewarming party last weekend, guys. And uh, it was Sunday night and I didn't realize that was when succession was on. So I was like, I will put, I will make a succession room. On and ending forever. Thank God. And so, I mean, like, no, I have no opinions about the show itself. It's just I'm ready for the conversation about it to be over. Yeah. Um, But, you know, there's this thing going around about, like, oh, he had an, un the Wamsgams had an unassisted triple play in the World Series, which is the finale of baseball. And so it sets up that, Ugh. like, obviously, he's going to be the one who rises to power because he's going to pull off an unassisted triple play by taking out three players on his own. And oh my fucking God. So here's the thing. Like one, like on one hand, as soon as I was like, that is the sort of shit that you do as a writer. Yeah. Like that entertain is. yourself. You, you, you do. Ex exactly. It's not yeah. because you're like, I'm doing it because this is a secret Easter egg that you're all going to figure out. You do it because you think it's funny. Yeah. In my disaster movie, every character's last name is a famous geologist. Because why not? There you go. Because it amuses me. But yeah. But the thing is, is that like, what I will say is that I do think, or I would not be surprised if 
that was a name that was chosen because he did know where that story was going. Was like, yeah, mm-hmm. he's gonna and like he did pull off a triple play, and it's kind of funny that he's gonna like. I could see that happening, but not as a this is an Easter egg for people to figure out, but as a this is a thing that amuses me. Mm-hmm. So writers do that, but. Mm-hmm. And so I am thrilled to see, like, I would be very happy if going forward, that's where our television viewing goes versus I'm going to throw out a bunch of unre- unrelated things and see mm-hmm. what sticks. Yeah. Um, and still have it be a puzzle box. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that to be over. Um, <laughs> I'm ready for that. Like, it's just, it's so unsatisfying in so many ways. You know? Yeah, I don't give a shit. I just. Yeah. Yeah. But like, also, like, it's it's unsatisfying. Like, uh, you and I will never have an answer to why there was that Spanish gold there in La Brea. No. We will never get no. an answer about, like, truly an answer about the handprint being, like, a cult motif. We, nope. Th- it's obviously related to Gavin's hand, but, like, and to the way you get in. But that was uh, that was reverse engineered. Yeah. There's, there's things we'll never get answers to that are bummers because it felt significant. Yeah. And with the lost, with the lost, echoes in something like the Brea, you just like know that's what they're doing. Right. Right. There's like, we're just gonna throw some other weird cool shit in there and people will be okay because they were okay with loss. And it's like, no, I've never emotionally recovered from the fact <laughs> that we never got an answer for why there was an Egyptian three-toed statue on this island. And any answer you've given me has never been satisfying. So no. Right, yeah. I am not recovered from <laughs> no. that. No. No. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to more Martha. I was going to see as much Martha Plimpton as possible. So I think the good thing is, is so Rich is now, so uh, Martha would only take Dr. Lake Bell. Yeah. So we were separated from Rich. So I assume that we're going to have to reconnect with him now. Like, yeah, she's, gonna, she's like, I'll bring her back in 24 hours. Yeah. So this is a short trip. Yeah. So we're going to, I hope, get like Rich, Martha, and Lake together. Yeah. Miles, That's a funny trio because she's got a kooky energy. Oh, she's, yeah, she's very much like God eccentric. Like, she's the kind of, she, her character, if she were a cartoon character, would have glasses that make her eyes five times bigger. Yeah, That's yeah, her yeah, energy yeah. in this show. Love it. That's that's what you call in a Martha Plimpton for. Why not? Oh, God, I love her. I know. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it as we as we head into our last three episodes of oh, Surface. Devastation! So we have three more. So we've got two more episodes of our show in mm-hmm. which, actually, sorry, take the back. We've got one more episode of our show in which our, our Disaster Diva audience can track down the Pate brothers and get them on the podcast. That's true. For the finale. Yeah. So we can finally get, I can get my answers and finally maybe get, <laughs> get myself a series Bible for La Brea for <laughs> Surface and complete that personal quest of 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's been haunting. I mean, that could be, that would be the greatest, that would be the greatest accomplishment of our show. Oh, for sure. Sh- uh, that would be, yeah. that would be that its would be, purpose. That would be, that would, uh, yeah, that this would really, I will have put in almost four years of this podcast with a specific goal being like one day how i mean god i mean it's the best pr happening for surface absolutely absolutely no question no one else is talking about surface in the year 2023 no one was talking about surface in the year 2006 no that's That's, and that's why that's part of the tragedy i know you know what we can reboot it (laughs) time to reboot surface you know what surface definitely is ip so boom bring it back bring back lake bell Dr. Lady Scientist. It's only gotten better. I mean, <laughs> Christ. Oh, my God. Oh, like Bell. I know. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll be back and doing Surface in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, Jordan, we are going to do mm-hmm. Doomsday Prophecy. 
Great name. Doomsday Prophecy. So Great what name. is Doomsday Prophecy about, you might ask? Mm. I asked myself that as well. And here's what Letterboxd said. Doomsday Prophecy is a 2011 sci-fi disaster television film by Jason Bork starring Jewel State, Alan Dale, and A.J. Buckley. They gave me no additional information. Jewel State? Jewel State Sign me the fuck nice. up. So, I, yeah, I know. Love Jewel State. So I had to go to a Google. And here is the description that I got from Wikipedia. After seeing visions of an apocalyptic future, A.J. Buckley teams up with a sexy archaeologist. Oh, God. To counteract geologic disturbances threatening the planet. Um, Listen, as long as it's Jewel State, then fine. Yeah, I don't know. I think Jewel State is the sexy archaeologist. I don't think that she is A.J. Buckley. Sexy archaeologist. Sexy archaeologist, you know. As, as archaeologists are want to be. Yeah, you've got to specify that. Otherwise, no one's going to take this shit serious. Yeah, I wouldn't watch Dooms. I'm like, wait, hold on. Is there an archaeologist in it? How sexy are they? How sexy is she? Is it how worth, sex- is it how worth seriously are you taking my time? Yeah. If, if it's not worth mentioning how sexy that person is in the description of the movie, then it's not worth watching. So, yeah. Brooke, so Brooke Calvin, that's a sexy archaeologist name. Oh, God. Brooke, Brooke Calvin. Calvin. Great name. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, here's an IMDb. Up in Mount Rainier, Washington. What? Up in Mount Rainier, Washington, blonde archaeologist. What? Blonde <laughs> archaeologist? This is from IMDb. Yeah, blonde archaeologist. Wow. I mean, what else does one need to know? That's it. That's all you got to need. That's all you need. Blonde archaeologist. Blonde archaeologist. Where did this? I don't even know. This was like in the little, like, this when you are searching through Google and it shows you just like five sentence, like five words. Yeah. And it just, it, she is in for a rude and then dot, dot, dot. And I, I can't see what else it says. I'm assuming <laughs> obviously the next word is awakening, but like, I can't read the rest of the description because I can't figure out where they've stored this, but yes. So she is a sexy and blonde archeologist. I, I was gonna say, I know what I need to know. She's sexy and she's blonde. That's really all that's for you. Period. That is the price of admission right there. That's it. Oh, does she have an emotional problem I can help her with? I am sure she has at least one. Yeah, that's yeah. where I come in. That's yeah, no, this is, that that's is truly the, restore, the Jordan. restoration work I do. It's like the, the Jordan bat signal. Is she blonde? Yeah. Is she sexy? Is she broken? Yeah, can I, can I help? Yeah, because Jordan will can be I there. Help? Yeah. Yeah. This is not an exchange for sex. No, to be very clear, Jordan just really likes, like, the way that people foster animals and then, like, foster kittens and then give them up. And you're like, how can you do that? How can you foster an animal and not get emotionally attached? Jordan just can collect blonde, sexy blondes and will get emotionally attached, but it's never sexual. And it's just fascinating. No, that's not a part of my life. So it's not a part of this process. Yeah, no, it's just that Jordan just amasses and acquires. Yeah. Sexy blonde archaeologists. And wants to be emotionally available. Yeah. Yeah, for a pretty girl with a problem. Yeah, truly, that is. <laughs> Emotionally available for a pretty girl with a problem. The Jordan Cruciola biopic. Yeah, that's 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 my, like, extremely loud and incredibly close, mm-hmm. um, shockingly evil, wickedly vile, whatever that thing is. That's the title of, that's my yeah. pretentious title for my movie. Yeah, for, for Jordan's book of essays, that was what it will be called. <laughs> yeah. And each essay will just be about a different, really beautiful person that she helped. Yeah. Yeah. And it went and, and like and I was a very productive and meaningful impact. Yeah. No, none of it is like and then this is how I screwed it up because Jordan is a good like friend in a corner situation. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so Jordan, this is right up your alley. Um, awesome. I am looking at some photos and Jewel State is indeed blonde and, you know, she is blonde and she is beautiful. She's beautiful. I, I, she's, it is as advertised. Yeah. Jewel State. The reason that I say sorry sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 
I watched so Canadian in Firefly. I sh- well, I know it's not even from Firefly. There was a show on Nickelodeon called Space Cases. And it was... Oh, my God, space cases. Yeah, it was yeah, about, like, yeah, a bunch yeah, yeah. of, like, delinquent teens who sneak onto a spaceship and then end up in space. <laughs> and I loved it. And I lo- I thought Jewel State was just the coolest, prettiest person in the world. And so I was like, I should talk like Jewel State. And so There's I just started... She's so pretty. She's, she's so, so pretty. pretty. And yeah. she was so pretty as a teen. When I, and I was, like, 11. I'm just like, I need to... That, though so yeah I there's just something like about her. her it's like it's, she's just like captivated it's yeah. like in that way that like i can't explain my draw to elizabeth mitchell yeah it's a version of that but like i would risk it all for elizabeth mitchell there's just something about her face where you just want to stare at it like yeah. i just want to stare at her face all the time mm-hmm. and i and like, i have watched i like it, with the exception of firefly because it was just so not my jam um yeah. i i will i will watch if she's in something i'll be like i i would put the time in i watched la complex partly because i was gonna say fucking la complex oh, loved la complex another show <laughs> we should reboot i was gonna say just just zag and do la complex on the pod honestly i sarah will be on for that mutual friend sarah that was a major bonding show for us like, oh wow that was maybe that's the thing that finally lures her here i know is is if we get if we get um just her on to do like a special we this is what we can do a, pa- a Patreon, like a separate Patreon about just the LA complex. Because yeah. obviously it's not truly a disaster. But yeah, it was 2012. So it was out of college. But like, it was one of the things where that really cemented our adult friendship was just talking about the LA complex <laughs> so much. In college, our bonding show was Dirt, the Courtney Cox. Oh God, that show was good. Oh my God. That show deserved so much more. Courtney Cox is so good as basically Harvey Levin was, in that show. It was like the perfect kind of evening trash. Loved yep. it. And so she and yep. I, we were in a terrible, we were in a, a a film class where our, it was like a cinema studies sort of class, but our teacher was a wild misogynist. Um, okay. Every single movie starred a man to the point where, because anyway, he was like, it was basically, we were each week was a different genre. And yeah. so every movie starred men to the point where even the rom-com and this was when I realized, I was like, why do I feel You like have to go out of your way for that. Notting Hill. The only male-focused major rom-com in the last 30 years. Notting Hill. Wow. And that's what he went with. And, like, I like Notting Hill, but as a genre film, <laughs> as a rom-com, it is not the film to study. Wow, that's a deep, that's deep, that's deep ingrained. Like, there will be no heroines no. in this class. And, like, he didn't call on the girls ever in the class, like... <laughs> It was it was like that kind of thing where just like Sarah and I would just would sit in the back of the class at a certain point and just like, what the fuck are we even bothering being here? Because yeah. he so clearly has zero interest in speaking with us or <laughs> d- discussing it. Yeah, it was the only good thing about it was that I saw it was such a dad class, too, where like we watched The Fugitive. That's how I saw The Fugitive, which like <laughs> yeah. thrilled I saw it. Great movie, but what yeah, a yeah, dad yeah. movie. Oh, um, yeah. Maximum dad. Maximum dad. We watched Basic Instinct in it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. We watched Sea of Love, the Al Pacino humps of mattress Al Pacino, movie. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. Isn't wait is um Ellen Barkin? It's Ellen Barkin. Ellen Barkin that... gives Al Pacino a hand job in that movie, and it is what deeply was the upsetting. category of film that that was representative of. Um, that was a uh, neo noir, I think. They, he picked Sea of Love mm-hmm. for neo-noir. Yeah, I know he did it because, like, we did Basic Instinct separately. And I don't think Basic Instinct, I think Basic Instinct was our erotic thriller category because, yeah, yeah we covered was, erotic thrillers in this ca- in this class. That was my assumption. Um, sea of Love. Yeah, we that did Sea is of Love. a really off-brand choice. It, a tish. 
Do you know how much money I paid to watch Sea of Love in class? So much money. So much money to watch Sea of Love. So much money to watch Sea of Love. Could have been color. And, I mean, the least they could have done was give you color of night. There's And give you the full Bruce Willis. Oh, my God. I mean, there were a lot of least they could have done in that class. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so yeah. So Sarah and I would just like sit there and sit down and be like, and just to give you a full time capsule of this, of this was this would have been surface era. So I would sit down with my John Fluvog knee high boots that yep. Veronica Mars wore that I also got yep. because Veronica Mars wore. And mm-hmm. then we would sit down and then we would discuss uh, dirt and how we would change each episode. And we would we would. And that is Veronica Mars was a big, uh, big fashion impact on Sarah, too, from what I understand. Oh, absolutely. Really both, linked on that. Yeah. But it was much worse with me because um, I copy things directly. I can't abstract I don't have oh, okay. the ability yeah, to abstract. It's not like my take. It's just like shop the look. It, it's, it was literally like I was on fan forums <laughs> being like, oh, that's where she got that. Okay, now yeah. I know where I can buy those things. I have, I have one of her bags. I have two of her bags. Her like <laughs> iconic crossbody bag. So I was yeah, like, I also want bag. an iconic crossbody bag. So I'm going to get the exact one Veronica Mars had. Yeah. Yeah. Looks good. It's so anyway, wow. If we're getting into Amanda reminisces about college, you know <laughs> it's time to wrap the episode up. Jordan, until we watch... Doomsday Prophecy, which is streamable. Um, where can we find you in the meantime? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JorCru, J-O-R-C-R-U. Uh, new Feelings Pod episodes every week, Feeling Seen. Uh, one coming up uh, this week, it should be, with the comic Liz Glazer, where we talk a lot about nostalgia and uh, the privilege that is the passage of time. And we get emotional, and it's really great. Uh, but yeah, that, those are the things for now. So hit me up. Awesome. And I'm Amanda Smith says on Twitter, um, you guys, we're on blue sky now. I'm Amanda Smith on blue sky. And then, oh, we got, shit. yeah, I know. I think I mentioned like, I got, I got in early and I was like, fuck, I have to, because I'd never get my first, my first name. Last I was going to say as an Amanda Smith, it's, you want to claim that if you can. Yeah. This is the first time I've been an early enough adopter where I got first name, last name, and I'm fucking stoked. Um, <laughs> and I did make us a pot account. Because I got oh, cool. I got a gift I got a, a code so I was like well let's do the pod account so Disaster Girls on um, on Blue Sky as well all right and then we're Disaster Girls Pod at Gmail disastergirls.myshopify.com on um, Shopify or on is our merch store um, I am going to figure out soon how to do like if you buy three mugs you get the fourth free I just haven't or like twenty five percent off it's not gonna be free because there's expensive for us to produce but like gotcha i'm working on it so if you something that you've been thinking about and you're like i really want four mugs or if i really <laughs> just check in occasionally just take a look see what's going on because and follow the the, the account because uh maybe i'll figure out how shopify works <laughs> but then we'll see y'all back next week for doomsday prophecy see you for the prophecy bye guys